All right, here's the third phase of our discipleship series. First one dealt with your identity in Christ. It's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you, getting you established in Christ. The second one is giving you a spiritual community that will sustain you and develop you in your maturity in Christ. That's I am equals us. The third one is the reason you're still on the earth. If it was all about you getting to heaven, God would have killed you as soon as you said the salvation prayer. Because then you'd just gone to heaven, you'd have met, you, you, that, that was, that's the objective. If it was all about us as Christians living in harmony, God would kill us all right now because we're going to be a lot closer up there than we are down here. And we're going to be a lot more harmonious up there. It's the reason we're still here is for those who are not yet included. It's for them where they are. And so in this third series um, that we want you to have, we want you to get this, these, these books and we want you to start doing them with your friends as you're led by the Spirit. Now watch, because most of the world is never gonna step foot into an institutional church. And so therefore, if you want the church to break up the powers of hell in this world, you gotta build the church out there. Not inside buildings, out there. Out of the relationships God's already given you. And so we want to talk about participating in the mission of the church. Mission comes from a Latin word, missio, means one sent. We, we want you to know you are the sent ones. The, 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 the Greek is apostle, the, the sent one. And, and, so, and so let me tell you how important this mission is, not just for the world, but for you. Ellie Wiesel, a long time ago, told a story. Ellie Wiesel is a, is a survival of the Holocaust. Uh, he's a, a Jewish intellect, uh, brilliant, and he told a story uh, one time about um, um, a prophet who had gone to Sodom and Gomorrah. And he saw what they were doing, he saw this, what sin was doing to them, and he began to prophesy to them. And he would go up and down the streets and say, men repent, women repent, what you're doing is going to destroy you. You will be destroyed by this. And he was totally ignored. But day after day, week after week, month after month, he would stand in the midst of that city. People would laugh at him, People would, would just go on doing what they had always done. There was absolutely no change. Finally, this little boy comes up to him and says, Sir, don't you realize they're laughing at you? And he said, Yes, I do. And the boy said, Don't you realize that you're not going to change them? And the man reluctantly said, Yeah, I, I think that's probably true. And then he said, why do you keep shouting the message of repentance? And the man was silent for a moment and he said, you know, at first, I thought if I shouted long enough, they would change. But now, I keep shouting so that they won't change me. I want to tell you something about the world. You will either be changing the world or the world will be changing you. You either have a mission that makes the world better 
or the world will conform you into something that makes the world worse. The best defense is a good offense, and therefore we must be making a difference. There came a time in the development of the church. You know, the, the Pentecost was about the, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I wore a red tie just to celebrate, celebrate Pentecost Sunday because a fire came down and rested on each one of them. To do what? So that they could communicate the gospel to people who were not included in their group. That's what it enabled. From the very beginning, the church was about the outsiders. We exist for them. There. And there came a time in the growth of the church where they began to establish a process of being sent and establishing disciple-making churches that would establish disciple-making churches that would establish disciple-making churches out of the disciples that had just been made. The summary of that comes in Acts chapter 14, starting with verse 21. Let me just give you these three particular verses that, that, that sum up what the Bible calls or what we call the Pauline cycle. All right? These are the three stages of establishing. Remember, God wants us, wants to form us into a church that busts up hell and plants the kingdom instead. That's the words of Jesus. On you I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. All right? And so, how's he going to do that? Well, it comes in stages. In verse 21, it says this. I'll read it as you're reading it. Acts 14, 21. After they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples. Now, there are, there are, there are ways, and we're going to teach them to you as we go along. There are ways to present the gospel to people in ways that they were more likely to receive the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for all of us. Um, um, the, it all starts, by the way, with love and service. Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve. That opens up the, the, your credibility, your interest in them. And then it's followed by words, a presentation of what God, and we'll teach you that. I, I just had a question in the hallway, really good question. A guy said, I'm a, I'm a total introvert. Total introvert. How, how am I supposed to present the gospel to people? I'm, I mean, I'm shaking talking to you. And he was. And I said, you know, I'm an introvert too. It makes me really nervous to do this. But we're going to give you handles that you can step into the openings. I'm going to tell you about the openings in just a second. Step into the openings as they're presented to you. We'll teach you how to do that. After they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystrum, Iconium, and to Antioch. Verse, uh, the, second one, the second stage. And strengthening the souls of the disciples. All right? Encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. This, this isn't done yet. We just sang that song that said, um, 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 uh, I, I forget the lyrics, never mind. Let, let me do the third one here. And then I start, I haven't got time, I haven't got time, I, I gotta rest here. 
when they had appointed the elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Okay, now let me give you, put up that diagram of the three, of the cycle, of the Pauline cycle. This is the Pauline cycle. We evangelize, we establish, we make sure people have around them the spiritual relationships they will need to be sustained in Christ and to grow in Christ and to reproduce in Christ. All right? And then we entrust that spiritual group to the Lord and go build another one. That's how the first church happened. That's how the church of the 21st century has to happen. It can't happen by institution. It has to happen by relationship. All right? Now, this is, this is key. We need to understand what our relationships need to be like in order to accomplish those things. I read, uh, Becky pointed out a book to me this, this week. It looked like an interesting book. Uh, it's a new one by Tai Tashiro. And it's called The Science of Happily Ever After. <laughs> the Science of Happily Ever After. That's a, that sounds like a pretty intriguing book. And they did a study of marriage. And they said basically only three in 10 marriages are what they call healthy, happy relationships that really take joy in one another. Three in 10, that's pretty low odds. But they, they did some of the markers of those happy relationships. Now watch this, one of these fascinated me because it's related so closely to the gospel and how God does things. Apparently, dozens of times every day, we throw out bids to one another. A bid is an opening. For example, if a husband and wife are, are talking and, and the wife brings up an idea, that's a bid. And that's just not, a, a, you know, I want you, I want you to know my idea. That's a, here's an opening. Do you want to enter into this thinking with me? If the husband looks out and the tree and says, look at that beautiful bird, that's a bid. And, and, and how his wife responds will mean everything as to whether or not that relationship has come together in that moment. Now, there are dozens of these every day. And only about, uh, in, in, those, in those relationships that are kind of falling apart and highly dysfunctional, they only take the partner up in about, about 30% of the time. 30%. Um, they, they, they'll, they'll, yeah, whatever, or ignore it, or say, well, I just, read, you know, they'll not go along, they'll not enter in at that moment to the fullness of getting closer in that moment. Watch this. In the healthy, happy, happy marriages and relationships, close to 90% of the time, the other person actually pays attention to what's happening and they enter into that moment and they ask questions about it. It doesn't have to last very long, but they know that they have offered something of value to the other person and the other person has come in. Now watch, I want you to see what God does. In Acts chapter 13, it tells us about a church, Antioch church. This is the first missionary sending church talked about, I mean, in, in scripture. It's, it's the prototype, all right? And when you read these names out of Acts 13, you can see they're a church very much like us because we can trace back the origin of these names and we know that they are interracial, 
They're intercultural. They came from way different circumstances and backgrounds. And so already they have great differences in the congregation, just like we do. We are all over the board. We come from every denomination. We come from every, uh, so many countries, so many races are represented in this, in this congregation. We're very different people. So we're kind of, we kind of mirror the, 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 the church in Acts. Now watch what it says. It says, now they were at Antioch and the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon was called, who was called Niger and, and this, uh, uh, Lucius of Cyrene and Manian and uh, who had been brought up uh, with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were ministering to the Lord, they were worshiping together, now watch, and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's the one that puts out the bids from God. Have you ever had a time in your life when you go, I just feel like God wants me to. Or I just, you know, somebody just said something. I see God was speaking to me in that. Or, or, or you know, God has an opening here. And he's wondering if I'm going to walk through it. That's a bid. And so the Holy Spirit said, now watch. The Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Then they have, when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them. I want you to remember this because I'm going to talk about the tangibility of the gospel. That's a, that's a word I, used, I, I, I learned this week. The tangibility of the gospel. I love that word. Making the, word, the, the gospel tangible. It says, it says, and then when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. What? Yeah. Let me tell you something about a God who wants to build faith in you. God will only build faith in you if he has you doing something that is uncomfortable for you. You don't need faith for anything else. So unless you are sent away from your own group, unless you're sent away from those comfortable circumstances you've come to rely on, your faith isn't getting deeper. Your trust isn't getting stronger. And so, they were sent away. Now, why do we need to start with this message? Because God wants you to know that in your circumstance, you are not just a player, you are a missionary. You are not one that is just there by accident you have been sent there by God in the relationships you now have. And God will give you in those relationships little openings, all right? Bids for your participation with him and with them. You just need to pay attention. Now the reason that we need to be very serious about this is because this is not going to be comfortable for you. Because the world, guess what the world is doing with committed Christians these days? Putting us on the blacklist. If you say anything uh, that, that, is, that is of your faith, then you're a bigot or you're, you know, somehow um, um, a radical or, or whatever, you know. Well, that's exactly what we're going to be doing. We're going, to be, we're going to be going out on behalf of our faith and what we know to be the truth in Jesus Christ. 
It doesn't mean we're going to be mean about it. It doesn't mean we're going to be angry about it. But it does mean we're going to have to withstand much of the misunderstanding the world already has about us. Some of it for good reason, by the way. Um, but but, but we've, got, we've, got, we've got to be sent as lambs among the wolves. And we've got to be ready for people who have some resistance as to what we're trying to do. Because they've already formed an opinion about you, and it's not very good. Let me tell you a story. This happened like 25 years ago. I, I had gotten down here from Midwest, and, and uh, I, had, uh, I was here for, I don't know, five years, and I bought a yellow Jeep. Some of you remember my yellow Jeep. And, and this is so stupid. This is, this is a typical Midwestern mistake. I, I, I ordered it without air conditioning. Because I just thought, well, if I get hot, I can put the top down. Duh, it's Florida. So I was always sweating in that thing. I had it like 10 years. So anyhow, I, 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 I was going out sweating. I needed a drink. And so I, I, so I, I just crossed over I-4 and, uh, and, and turned down Wymore. I, I don't, don't even remember where I was going. But there used to be a little convenience store down there. And, uh, and, and I think somebody just said it's still there. But I walked in, and I, and I, started, I began to walk in. And I got to tell you, I have this big, giant place in my heart for people who have to work with the public every day because the public just will dump on you. Whatever their latest, I mean, it's like displaced anger. I mean, they get mad at you when somebody's just been mad at them or they're mad at somebody, you know. And so I just, I walk in this convenience store, and I see this guy storming out. And so, and so I walk in and I just look over at this, this lady that's behind the counter and she, you could just tell she'd just gotten yelled at for something. I don't even know what it is, but she just, you know, and my heart goes out to her. And I went and I just said, how are you doing? She said, well, I've had better days. I'll tell you that. Oh, I'm so sorry. I said, you know what? I'm for you. I, the day's going to get better. I'm, you know, I'm just hang in there. And so I go back and get my drink. And by this time, there's a lot of people in line. And you know, sometimes how this happens, you have delayed response. And so she got madder and madder as she thought about what that guy just said to her. And so by the time I was three people, if there were three people in front of me, she just started going off. She just was reading the riot act to everybody. And I don't even know why. Maybe the guy had a cross on her. I don't know. But she started going off on religion. Religion? What a bunch of hypocrites. What a bunch. Oh, it's a bunch of garbage. It's all man-made. I'm just, you know, biding my time, you know. Two people in front of me. She started going off on pastors. She, I don't know what, how it even got there. And the worst of the lot is pastors. Because they're the biggest hypocrites and they just think they're so holier than thou. And they just are, they just want your money and they just, yeah. Well, I'm, get, I'm getting closer and I'm just thinking, you know, it, that was my terror. That's where I used to live. And I'm thinking, somebody's going to tell her that I'm a pastor and it's going to, you know, it's just going to. So I, it, I got up there and she was still going off on pastors. And I, I said, I, I, I'm so sorry. I just don't want you to be embarrassed later or feel bad or anything. But I just got to tell you this. And please don't, I, I'm not offended at all, but I'm a pastor. She looked at me and she said, no, you're not. I said, 
Yeah, 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 I really am. She said, no, you're not. I said, what would make you say that? She said, because if you were a pastor, you would have been down my throat the first time I mentioned religion. You would have been condemning me and yelling at me. You are not a pastor. That's what we're walking into, folks. That's what we're walking into. So we got to go as lambs and we got to give them what they don't get in the world. And that is the love and the kindness to go with the truth that we have for them. By the way, I visited that store several subsequent times and I was able to build a relationship with her and request prayers, concerns for her. They moved her later on. But, but I got to tell you, that's what we're walking into. So, so this, is, this is the goal. The goal is that we're going into the world and we have this mission. And the mission is to serve and love in a way, in such a way that they are more likely. Now, this, all this depends on the Holy Spirit. It's not, we don't control this. It's the Holy Spirit. But they're more likely to receive the good news of the gospel and trust in Christ. And thereby, we help them grow. The gospel isn't just for rescue or relief. The gospel is for development. And that's why we need to form spiritual families around them so that they will have this lifelong goal of growing and, and, and grasping Christ every day of their life. Um, this is what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, for, for verse 13. We need to do this until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God and to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That's what we're going for. Spiritual maturity in Christ. Now, let me give you this challenge, just personally. Because this sermon was all about you, you understand that? Okay, just, it has your name on it. It's called Rhema. This is the word with your name on it. This, I'm not talking to a congregation, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to me. Ken Davis was a, was a trainer of, uh, of uh, youth pastors. Vernon would probably know him because Vernon was in youth minister for years. He was the executive director of Youth for Christ before he came to work here. And, and, uh, but he was training youth pastors one time. Now I want you to listen to this. He, he, he had a hundred youth pastors. And he said, I want you to do an experiment with me. He said, I want one volunteer. Well, these are youth pastors for crying out loud. Every hand went up. So he chose one. And he said, I'm going to blindfold you. I'm going to send you out of the room. And then I want you to come in and I want you to embrace the leader. So he sent him out of the room. When he sent him out of the room, he said to all the rest of the 99, he said, okay, when he comes back in the room, I want every one of you to shout your own instructions to this guy. Shout your own instructions to this guy, how to get to the leader, how to embrace him, so on and so forth. So he comes back in the room. He's got 99 voices telling him what to do. He's totally immobilized. He can't even move. He doesn't know who to believe. So they sent him out of the room again. He said, okay, now this time, I want you all to continue more quietly, but I want two of you to stand on either side of him. 
and I want one of you to give him accurate instructions, but I want the other of you to tell him exactly the opposite. So he comes back in the room. There's a murmur of 99 different voices, but one voice is telling him where, what to do. The other voice is telling him just the opposite. Guess what? He's immobilized again. He's immobilized again. Sent him out a third time. He said, okay, this time. I want all of you to just in your normal voice share your instructions, but I want one of you, and he pointed one of them out, to go near him and just to touch him. Don't push him. Don't drag him. Just touch him and guide him toward the leader to embrace. And that's exactly what he did. And in no time at all, that man was embracing the leader. Now, let me tell you why I tell you that. The people in the world are hearing a hundred different voices at once. And they don't know what to do when it comes to life. And then they might get a trusted voice, but the devil is just the opposite voice. He will tell you when you do have a trusted leader, the devil's right there telling you to do the opposite. But here is the reason I brought up that word tangibility. We need a gospel that is tangibilized. It needs to come in tangible form. That's who you are. You need to get with people such a close relationship that you can help them as they walk along. You can guide them. You need to be that close to them because as you do that, then they can come to full maturity. Surround them with others who will have the same message, go the same direction. Every eye fixed on Christ, who's the author and finisher of our faith. All right, pray with me and then we'll talk more next week. Lord, thank you. And thank you for this song that we're about to hear that calls the church into this wonderful mission. Lord, if there's anyone within the sound of my voice anywhere in the world who has not trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior, but they want the assurance of the forgiveness of their sins and the gift of a brand new life, let them pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I know when you died on the cross, you paid for my sins too. And you offer me a new life. I want that life. Come into my life and be my Lord and my Savior. And the rest of us, Lord, who have prayed that prayer, oh God, guide us from here and help us be used by you to be built into a church that busts the powers of hell in this world and plants the eternity of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.